You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Alright everyone, welcome to episode 3 of For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Today, we are getting into our first big story arc of the Clone Wars. We're going to be talking the Malevolence arc. I am one of your co-hosts today, Andrew, and I am joined today by Don and Connor. How are you guys doing? I'm doing um, doing pretty solid. Excited to talk about the Malevolence arc. I find it to always be like... For me, at least, a super underrated arc, and I just don't know why. I just never really think about it too much. So I really always yeah. think of it as like the like the big first arc of the show, and then it just kind of disappears. But actually, getting to sit down and really watch it like with a critical eye for the first time in years was a really nice experience. Don, how are you today? I'm I'm doing great, man. Yeah, uh, this was a. Uh... Actually, again, like with the first four episodes, the previous four episodes that we covered, I, I actually had a lot more fun with this than I was expecting. I, I said just before we started recording, I, I wrote down way more notes for this than I was expecting to write, which is funny. Yeah, that's always a treat. Jake could not be here today. He's off seeing Multiverse of Madness right now, so we hope he's having a great time. In terms of Star Wars news and experiences before we get into the actual episodes, uh, first thing I want to talk about before we get into the big stuff, which was, of course, the Obi-Wan trailer, and then we had a couple announcements that are, you know, very important and hit close to home for all of us. Uh, I was tweeting, like, mad the other night about Solo because I rewatched it again. And I can't tell you how much fun I have with that movie every time I watch it. Like, oh, same. I think that it is, to me, easily the most underrated Star Wars movie. And I think in terms of rewatchability, it's up there with some of the best for me. Like, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but the amount of fun I have with that movie is just off the charts good. And I would literally do anything for some type of continuation. I'm I'm hoping that we're going to get something with the Lando series, but I don't know guys. We're going to get announcements and I'm not saying, I mean I have nothing to to confirm this or anything. This is just my suspicion, but I have a really good feeling that we might get something with Bryce Dallas Howard related to some type of solo project at Celebration or in the near future. I just I think it's very possible, and whether that's like Kira showing up in something, or the Lando series officially getting like announced that Glover's coming back, or we get Alden in something, I just really want to see these characters again, and I don't think a theatrical release is possible at this point, but I think something on Disney+, Plus, whether that be a film or a series or something, would be really cool, and I'm hoping... I'm hoping we get something, but if not, we got Crimson Rain, which is kicking all sorts of ass right now, and uh, I just want to see more. Read it. I, I I have to get into it, but I hear nothing but great things. And <sighs> I just picked up. Uh, I sent this in our Discord server last night. I just picked up Charles Soule's 
Darth Vader run for the first time. I am so excited to read that, but that's going to be on my read list because I'm in the last couple chapters of Queen's Hope right now, which I'll talk about that on here when I finish it, and then I got to start Brotherhood. And I got that the other day, and that's a that's a thick boy right there. So that might take me a while, uh, <laughs> but I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, the Darth Vader comics are like a quality quality run. Uh, the ones by Charles Stoll. I'm Jake three said, volumes in. Jake said they're his favorite comic run of all time, and I know Alex from Star Wars Explained says that's his favorite comic run as well. Oh, they go they go strong those those comics like so, the, 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 the right now I would for. Argue that, uh, Soul's 2017 run is his magnum opus in terms of his Star Wars writing. I mean, I've loved everything he's written that I've read. Uh, Light of the Jedi, I think, is a masterpiece. I really liked Rise of Kylo Ren, and I really liked the Anakin and Obi-Wan series, uh, which is all I've read from him, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I do have his Lando run, but I haven't haven't gotten around to it. Because everyone says that's great. And I've like yeah. literally like had it in my hand, ready to read, and I just have not gotten to there yet. So it, there's going to come a point where I just binge all this stuff. But right now, I'd say Trail of Shadows is probably my favorite Star Wars comic at the moment. But I'm ready for that to get dethroned because I hear nothing but great things. Off the cuff question right here because I talked about Solo. I'm, I mean, I think I, I think it's a safe bet if this Lando series does still happen that Glover's going to be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. What would be your dream, quote-unquote, Solo 2 project? Would it be a Crimson Dawn miniseries? Would it be a proper sequel? What would you like to see? Or would you not, like, would you just be fine if someone some of the characters showed up in other series? Like, I think if Emphis Nest doesn't show up in Andor, it's a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you guys think about that one? Uh, you go my first. Main, my main thing is just Han and Chewie just doing Han and Chewie stuff. I just and Han just becoming that cynical uh, person that we see at the beginning of A New Hope. Why did they? Why they should have just released it in December, and it wouldn't have. I mean, they wanted to. I don't know why they didn't push it. The movie was like... Disney? Yeah. That's literally the only reason, it's, I think, as far as I know. It's not just the fact that it came out six months after Last Jedi. It's the fact that it came out two weeks after Infinity War and a week after Deadpool 2. So yeah. you had the biggest releases of the summer right there. And then it's like, okay, and here's this have... Han Solo movie, which it's Star Wars, With... so people are obviously going to see it, but it's not going to be... If you have... You got to choose one movie this month. They're going to choose Infinity War. They're not going to choose Han Solo where it's not Harrison Ford, you know? But then the movie ends exactly. up being really great. So it's yeah. just really disappointing. And if yeah. we never I mean, see is... Amelia Clark as Kira again, I'm going to cry. But yeah. That would be sad. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they had released it in December, there, there is the difficulty that it would have bumped up against Aquaman because that movie was just like a monster smash. But oh, yeah, yeah. I was still like, working at the theater at that point. It was. It would have yeah. fared better, I think, uh, in December. But yeah, I, 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 I think Amelia Clark's great, and I'd love to see more of her as Kira. I was really, I was really hoping she would show up in the Book of Boba Fett, and it's why I've got a really slim hope for a series two of of Book of Boba Fett, so we could like 
because like someone's got to be like kind of like the pikes have got to be answering to someone so like wouldn't that be a, a natural place to bring kira into play you know like have her show up and like boba fett's got to kind of like contend with her now because he disrupted her spice trade that would be like that would be a pretty cool way to, to do that I, I mean, mean I was I'm holding most... out for weeks that she'd be the post credit scene in the finale and end up being <laughs> Cobb Vanth, but I think it's I think that's possible. One more thing I want to say. I think one thing that we are for sure going to get is Dryden Voss in Bad Batch Season 2. Because they made his model for the Martez sisters arc in Clone Wars for one scene. And it was I like I feel like I feel like it's coming. I just feel like yeah. they wouldn't just make it for that one scene. I thought it was for Siege of Mandalore. It was the last episode of the Martez sister, because when the Pikes were talking uh, to Maul and Ahsoka was spying on him, if I remember correctly, uh, and he was like, okay, the Syndicate is... has to go into hiding again. And yes, Dryden and they was all... there with yeah. Black Sun and the Pikes and all them. Yeah. Yeah, okay. well, because the, the Bad Batch have already encountered the Pikes, and there's kind of like the sense at the end of that that episode that there's there's they're going to get dragged into like more criminal stuff especially given that they their association with um i forget the Trandoshan who they were associated with uh sid exactly that their their association with sid they're probably going to get pulled into more criminal uh gotcha business and and you know it would make sense eventually for them to deal with like someone like dryden voss and probably even darth maul like it yeah. wouldn't shock me to see Maul make an appearance and like get some scenes with him and Dryden interacting, given the implication of their like uh, their relationship in in Solo. Yeah, and yeah. like I don't know if you'd voice him, but Paul Bettany is so goddamn good in that movie. So I just I mean they got Liam more. Neeson. They got Liam Neeson to voice Qui Gon yeah. in the in the Clone Wars. So yeah. it would Liam, just make sense oh, I don't think I'll ever do TV. I won't do TV shows. Yeah. Neeson. Okay. Bro. All right. Come on. You're basically confirming you're in Obi-Wan. He, like, he, he's pulling is... the Garfield in no way home. Like, no. Yeah. But like, it's, it's not like, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Whatever, no, whatever Liam, we'll see you in the finale. We'll see you in the finale when Kenobi gets back to Tatooine. All right. What was your point? Like, uh, Connor, before I... Oh, no, I just... I don't know if anyone remembers this, but I think it was, like, the day after Solo came out, a, a Boba Fett film was announced, and I think James Mangold was attached to direct it. And then, like, it got cancelled, like, a few months later. I remember that, yeah. Failure. I think yep. there was, like, they wanted Michael B. Jordan as Boba Fett or something, which I don't remember that. What oh I, I could have sworn I saw that either I... for the Josh Trank Boba Fett movie or this one. I know there's nothing about Michael B. Jordan. I, did I make that up? You probably did. <sighs> I could have apparently... sworn I saw it. But... Yeah, apparently, uh, Mangold was attached to write and direct it with Simon Kingberg attached as producer and co writer, but both Mangold and Cake and Kennedy sub subsequently denied Mangold's involvement. And then they announced the Kenobi movie with Stephen Daldry directing it, and then that yep. quickly and then turned Hosanna into writing it. the show we're going to be getting in a couple of weeks. Hosanna Mini is getting a story by credit, if I remember correctly. Yes. Which really yeah. intrigues me because, like, I wonder how much of his stuff, how much of his original script actually got into. Um, 
into the final product. Well, you know what's really funny? Joby Harold got announced as the new writer on my birthday in like 2020. So if the Kenobi series is really good, and I mean really good, that will be one of my top five retroactive uh, birthday presents. Yeah, that's a, that's a birthday present for you right there. I mean, the original yeah, scripts, I, I remember them being like, they scrapped them because they were too similar to Mando, Mando season Lord. one. Yep. So I'm kind then, of like glad retroactively that they yeah. changed course. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's so good right now. But oh, it looks so good, especially with that new trailer that just that that oh. dropped not so long ago. I mean, should we, I was gonna segue into Fallen Order, but I think we should just talk about Kenobi right now. Yeah, we gotta uh, talk. Yeah, they're set in the same time period. Yeah. Fortress Inquisitorius is in both. So, sure. like, I mean, this trailer, man, it was. I I was I was kind of that was the one thing I was expecting on May the Fourth is okay we'll get something Kenobi related and then whatever else we get is going to be a treat. Uh, my, my like the smallest bit of hope I had that they would just surprise drop Bad Batch season two, uh, or at least the premiere. That would be freaking hilarious. They didn't, <laughs> but yeah. I was hoping that maybe they do something like that. But of course. That didn't happen, but it, we instead got this just amazing Kenobi trailer. It was a bit shorter than the first one, I believe, but they, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm not, the the less you reveal here, the better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. First of but all. But they haven't even shown him with his lightsaber No, they as haven't. Well. We've like, seen it in promo. That's a dropping moment in the show. I don't I think we're going to get it for the first few episodes, honestly. Oh, no, I know. Because we're not, I, feel like, we're seeing... I feel like we're not gonna get it until like the last two episodes or something. The build up well, will be insane. It's interesting you say that because, like, they, so, so just like the day that we're recording this, like, uh, you McGregor and Hayden Christensen and Moses Ingram all appeared on, on the one show, uh, which is a show here in the UK, and uh. Like you and and Moses kind of let something slip that they that they trained together like during like regarding fight choreography, which basically kind of suggests that Obi Wan is actually going to like fight the Inquisitors as well as Vader. Like he's not just going to be running from them. There's going to be some saber combat. So I I do kind of wonder if that's like if it is going to be saved for the last couple of episodes and he really is going to use like a a blaster for the first four, or if the saber combat is going to be kind of like uh stretched out like like used intermittently through this the series is kind of like a big fireworks moment if you will yeah i just really i at least think we'll go episode or two without seeing one because we know judging by the fact that the the black series figure has the blaster with him i'm assuming that's going to be something he has with him for most of this the series which by the way i i forgot i have to pre-order that so uh, I just spent, I can't tell you how much on eBay for the, uh, Clone Wars, Anakin and Obi-Wan Black Series figures. Jake would be Whoa. upset with me, but I, <laughs> I had to do it. it. I, I just had to. Those costumes are too, are too cool not to this own. This pre-ordering will be available on approximately January 1st, 2023. Now, what the hell? What why, the hell is that? Why are you waiting... Eight months or however long that's going to be after the show comes out 
to release Damn your it. merch. I don't get uh. that. Marvel literally drops Moon Knight merch the, the the day the episode comes out, and then there's this yeah. shit. I, I just yeah. Fun. What are you doing? If Jake was here, yeah, I'd get him on his soapbox um. and have him rant for. <laughs> oh 30 yeah, minutes. no, yeah. But um. we'll have to save that. Uh, this trailer, though, I am so excited. First of all, I think the one thing that everyone has been talking about is the the scene with Kenobi and Owen Lars. Oh the, my god! Like he god. trained his father. Owen Lars, the absolute what gut punch, dude! I don't Owen know. Owen Lars, master of stats. Actually, you know what? No, I think in terms of brutality with jokes, because like, okay, Don hasn't finished hasn't gotten to episode two yet so i can't say the one joke that happens in lego skywalker saga that i want to say but i would say that joke is more brute is a bit more brutal than owen lars is like you trained his father Whoa. okay you'll see, you'll see why don i think you know i don't know if you know what i'm talking about andrew i just finished Next attack episode. of clones the other day in that game but i'm I'm trying to it remember. It was on. It was on Geonosis. I need to finish episode. I'm still need to finish episode one. So, like next time we record this, I'm probably gonna have like got to that moment. So we'll we'll be able to mention it, bring it up. Hopefully, it, it's like, it's escaping it. my mind right now. I know there's one with Mason and Anakin that is. I died laughing for about five it, minutes when I heard it's it in a video. One with Padme. Oh, but that's okay. that's all I'll say. Okay, okay, I gotta, I gotta go back and, and yeah. Watch. Um, but that was just, I was like, damn. And also, the hindsight casting there of George Lucas casting Joel Egerton as Owen Lars back in two thousand two is just paying off so much here because now he's just a world class actor, and yep. it's so great that he's back in this role. I'm very interested in seeing the the tense relationship between the two of them because. We can very much tell at this point that he wants Obi-Wan to have nothing to do with his family. And yeah. especially I really once... hope there's a reference or two to um their confrontation in the uh, uh the Jason Aaron series. Doesn't yeah, the he, Jason doesn't Aaron he deck him in the run. face like during that run? Oh no, he I, he doesn't deck him in the face, but he, he he shouts at him. There's like it's a more more of a of an outburst. There's a line that literally he Owen's says like, "Haven't you killed enough Skywalkers already, Kenobi, or Ooh. something like that?" And it's just Owen like Lars. brutal. Owen Lars truly is the master of sass. Yeah, he he's the master of the roast, but you know and we all know how that turned got out. Got roasted himself. Uh, yeah, it's um, ironic. <laughs> he could roast. Uh, he could. From, he could roast others, but not himself but not or something. I can't. There's a there's a joke someone made yeah. online. I can't yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. Just, I just to say about this trailer, I love that Obi Wan now has a blaster, even if it means that he'll refrain from using his lightsaber. Because I love the comparison now to Ray and to Luke Skywalker, because both of those characters also use blasters in addition to having a lightsaber. I just love that that rhymes aesthetically with those two characters. So uh, yeah, as we're out here being the fucking pimp with the lightsaber blaster. True, as for Bridger as well. Let's not forget him. Also, also, I have to I have to point out that there is definitely going to be some action on uh, Fortress Inquisitorius. There's a shot in the trailer where you can see Reaver deflecting blaster fire, and it's clearly 
uh, set on Fortress Inquisitoria. So the finale, I get the sense the finale is going to go there. And I get really new hope so. Charge trooper design. Yes, and yeah. I really want Obi Wan. I just want Obi Wan to like sneak around Fortress Inquisitorius and just like mess it up from the inside, like he did with the Death Star. That's I was just like say, you know what else we got? We got Purge Troopers, which Connor must have been losing his mind. I actually wasn't. I was just like so engrossed into the trailer that like I didn't really notice them until after the fact, and I was like, oh crap, we have new Purge Trooper designs, and everyone was saying how. Uh, they look similar to the Sovereign Protectors from Rise of Skywalker. And I'm like, so basically we're getting new Purge Troopers in the new Jedi game. Sweet. Pretty much. And then Speaking the of which. With Reva, with the you can't escape oh yeah, him you and can't then the escape Vader him. breathing. Oh. <laughs> Chills, man. Chills. Do you oh. think the Vader fight is going to be on Mustafar again? Or do you think it's going to be on... Nur. I I don't I think it's gonna be on Nur. I think it is gonna be on Nur because I think because the concept art kind of shows a facility in flames, which is why I think Obi Wan is gonna like take down Fortress Inquisitorius and It'd be Vader really is freaking fight him funny in the like if Obi Wan finishes what Cal started. It would be really freaking funny to me. Well, I, just, I, I mean, as a win for Obi Wan, that would be amazing. Like that he takes down this like thing that Vader is used to like Vader and the Emperor are using to like corrupt the remains of the Jedi. It would just be a really nice kind of like little victory to kind of give obi-wan after all the losses he's been through because because you got you gotta have some hope with all of the like desolation that, that like follows the prequel trilogy because like i mean that's the tagline you know between death and between and defeat, darkness and defeat hope survives hope survives that's it. Me, i still haven't watched uh revenge of the sith but i'm probably gonna save that until like the last few days before kenobi i watched that may the 4th and i Still hits the field. every single time. One last question about the Kenobi trailer before we move on. We talked about, you know, when we think his lightsaber is going to show up. How long do you think it's going to be until we see Vader for the first time in the uh, show? Do you think, do you think first I episode? Do you think, think end of the second episode or something like that? I think end of the third beginning to or beginning to middle of the fourth. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, it just makes yeah. sense. I don't think you don't we'll want to see like... Hayden himself until the last episode, but or at least him like without the mask in, pres in, in present day. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like we're gonna get Clone. Wars I think flashbacks. we'll get Clone Wars flashbacks first or second episode. It would like shock I think there's gonna be at least one. The show begins Book of Boba Fett style, and it starts with a Clone Wars flashback. That would not surprise yeah. me at all. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like just you literally start with like this really bombastic action sequence. You know, they're like they're joking, they're doing their kind of like brotherly banter together, and then you cut to Obi Wan like waking up alone in the desert. It's just like instant heartstring pulls. Like that would be really that'd be really cool. I think we'll at least get one flashback. I'm hoping we will because yeah, like I I, I want to be like amazed and like excited again, but also like kind of like have my heart broken all over again because yeah. that that's the life of a prequel fan it's like excitement but also lots of pain there are only four cameos i'm really hoping for like i'm hoping we're not cameo overload here in the series but it's ahsoka qui-gon padme and satine and anything else i don't want those are the four 
I am hoping for. And I, I think we're going to get three of them. So yeah. Oh, we're bound to uh, get we're getting we're getting Qui-Gon. Like I am I will bet money on Dude, that. We're getting Qui-Gon. Ahsoka, I think we'll get whether or not it's Rosario, I'm not sure. And there's I'm probably fairly be a confident we're getting Padme, whether it's archive footage or Natalie Portman actually comes back. Oh, Satine is the one where I'm like, I don't know. If if it's at least a mention, I'll cry. Uh Same. but I'll be I'll be emotional. I will when start convulsing. And it'll be bad. Uh, but yeah, Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi drops in, I th- what is it, two weekends now? Yeah. Start a celebration. I'll be on. The time we recorded, which is Thursday, May 12th, it drops in 15 days. I'll be out of town, so. Mm, yeah, you're going to be where I'm at. Yeah, so we'll have to, I'll have to figure out when I'm going to get to watch it, but we'll definitely be covering Obi-Wan. Or, or what we could do, Andrew. Is we watch it together. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I am two episodes, so especially. Yeah, two. Like, so excited. In other Jedi news, we uh, got a Here leaked go. title for the Fallen Order sequel. It is called Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I'm excited. Yeah. Um. Do it's you apparently think, coming. Do you think this means that we're not going to have the same? cast of characters no i think it's just no i think it's gonna be a direct sequel that's what i'm hoping for. well i just think we're gonna probably i my gut feeling is we're probably gonna play as more characters other than cal like i would not be shocked if we played as at least seer and cal or at most hopefully seer marin and cal that's what i'm hoping yeah. for i'm really hoping for marin at least uh, I was actually hoping that we could get that at the end of Fallen Order 1, because my one complaint with that game is y- y- there's this great arc of getting Marin a part of the crew, and then she just kind of sits in the, the Mantis for the rest of the game. So I, I wish mean, To be had... fair, all the crew does that, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, so I, just, I wish she had more of a role after that, but there are very few complaints. I... I mean, not as hardcore as you, but I love Fallen Order, and I am very excited for this game to come. And there's got to be something. I mean, they've probably already announced a panel for Celebration, but there's oh, for there's sure not... going to be so something. They said apparently there's reports that like it won't have a dedicated panel at Celebration, but it will make an appearance. At what panel? I don't know. I don't know which My one. My best guess. My best guess would be the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase, but like, does I, I Lucasfilm just, I, Games have a panel or? Nope. I no went game to it. There's no dedicated gaming panel. Because when I, I, went, I went to, to Chicago, yeah, there was a Vader Immortal and a Fallen Order panel, or was Vader Immortal Orlando? I don't remember, but there was a full-on panel for it, which was just fantastic. So I thought we'd get the same thing for for two, but. I guess not. Either way, I'm very excited. Uh, like I, like with you, I hope it's a direct sequel. Uh, I like the title. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't keep the Fallen Order name. But, it, I mean, it looks like they're keeping the, the, the name of the series is Star Wars Jedi, which I always forget. Which doesn't surprise me, because I'm really, really, really hoping this is like... it's This has to be an, an, like an anthology 
uh, game series. Yeah. This has to be. I feel like once they're done telling the story of Cal and his crew, they're just going to move on to other eras, and it's just going to be phenomenal. Because yeah. I'm like, I swear to God, if I get I a High Republic Jedi game, I'm going to lose it. I'm gonna I just think gonna we'll combust. get some uh, High Republic connections in this game, probably. I hope so. I, I think so we'll cool. probably like, see another... Cal will probably encounter another Jedi on the run as well. I think that would be very cool. And yeah. depending on where the timeline of this game is, we could see some connections with Kenobi or some of the uh, anthology movies. I yeah, I hope there's cool. uh, I hope there's some time in between the first and second game for reasons obvious to you too, but not everyone else. Because Fallen Order is what five years after Revenge of the Sith. Yep, and, and Kenobi's Kenobi is 10. 10, Yeah, yeah. So anything is possible, but I'm very excited. And then one last thing, which we can talk about real quick, because before we get into Clone Wars, because this is a love letter to Star Wars animation, we did get the confirmation, kind of, of a new animated anthology series. We've known that this Tales of the Jedi project has been coming for quite some time, but it was leaked and then I think confirmed once again to be a panel at Celebration. We know Dave Filoni is involved in some way, shape, or form. Shocker, I know. But it sounds like it's going to be an animated anthology series. Each episode will hopefully tell a different story of a different Jedi. Hopefully we'll get some multiple different eras and characters. Hopefully some new ones. Definitely some returning favorites. Uh, let's just leave it at this. It'll be what brutal. You... What was that, sorry? It'll be really brutal. What? If they show the fate of the pa of the gathering Padawans in one of the Tales of the Jedi, oh you episodes. asshole! Don't. No, <laughs> Anakin just killing oh. Katuni. Don't no. you dare! No, no, I don't, oh. no, 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 haven't no. even got to those guys yet. Katuni becoming an Inquisitor. <laughs> no, oh no, oh, no, and no, <laughs> unmanifest. No, just, yeah, like just, <laughs> just yeah. get that. Why away. would you put that in my mind, sir? No. I don't know. It just came to me. So I'm I was going to say, you know, what is the like the big stories you'd like to see? But I guess you already answered that question. So, Don, <laughs> what would you I was, like I mean, to I see two. in this series? I have two. I'd like I I'd like to see a, high, a, a episode set during the High Republic, like maybe one that just like, you know, has an episode about like Avar Chris or like Stellan Geos, those kind of characters. But ultimately, I actually kind of love it because this this show is probably going to focus on established Jedi. We're going to probably get one during the Clone Wars, during the, uh, you know, one about Luke. Hopefully one, one of the established Rey. Jedi they focus, yeah, yeah is Rey. But, Hopefully it's one of them is Rey. If I, could if I could pick one, I would I would kind of like them to do at least one episode about, like, a, a different era of the Jedi that we haven't seen. Like, you know, maybe one that kind of draws inspiration from the, you know, like, the Dawn of the Jedi comics that were from Legends, because I've started reading those, and those, they are bonkers, those comics, the the John Ostrander Legends comics. Uh, they're, they're completely nuts, and I'd, I'd love to see an episode that drew on that, or, like, just a different era, like, maybe towards, like, the, the, the start of the formation of the Republic, or even some old Republic stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, as you can probably tell, yeah. I the sky's the limit with this show, which is what I'm excited about. And I hope it's it's kind of like Marvel's uh, What If show, where we maybe get like more than one season. So you have like different episodes. Uh, you have a multitude of episodes to like focus on different eras and 
characters because like the jedi are such a fertile source of like excitement and like storytelling potential for me i think it's kind of cool that we're having two anthology series going on at once with this and visions assuming that season two report that came out a while ago ends up being true because we haven't really heard anything since then hopefully that's another celebration announcement uh but the one thing that i am excited about if you know me jedi finn and ray please just just please uh that's what i want uh but literally anything else like i said more prequel content would be great high republic stuff some firebrand stuff would be awesome uh i'm just literally anything I am very much excited, but if I could have one story, it would be Finn and his training, but I feel like they might save that for a bigger project, but if not, I would at least like one episode. We don't know how long these episodes are going to be. We don't know how many episodes the show is going to have. Hopefully, we get some of these uh, questions answered at Celebration, and hopefully, we get some type of release date as well, but I'm very excited for this. Uh, this sounds awesome, and any more animated star wars content that gets announced i am excited about but with that i think it's time we uh, segue into the episodes we will be talking about today which are the malevolence arc which was the first big story arc in the clone wars the republic going up against grievous's massive warship the first episode was titled rising malevolence directed by dave filoni his first directorial effort of the series Written by Stephen Melching, who I believe wrote all three episodes of the arc. Check my notes. Yes, he did. Uh, the moral of the episode is belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. Another thing I just want to point out real quick is we still, for all of these episodes, have that weird early version of the Clone Wars fanfare that we had for the first couple episodes. Dude, it's so weird. I don't man. like it. <laughs> I'm not used to it. I'm like, yeah. like oh, it's a little season one. It, it just makes yeah. me like think like, oh, something's up with my speakers. I'm like, why is like, what's the audio? And but then I'm like, oh no, it's just unfinished at this point. I kind of like it because it kind of reflects um, season one as a whole. Because I think more than any other series of the Clone Wars, series one is definitely finding its feet and its identity, kind of like Ahsoka Tano in a way. Ah. It's a good good comparison there. We do see Ahsoka for the first time uh, of the series itself, not just the, the film, which was nice. And a lot of this episode focuses on the backstory and the relationship between Ahsoka and Plo Koon, which I have been waiting to get into because it is one of my favorite things in this series. I adore the relationship. Uh, but one thing I don't adore is this freaking still awful early ahsoka design that uh, george what are you doing but <laughs> aside from that i thought you know starting with plo Koon, which is one of my favorite clone wars jedi because of this series i just i love everything about him and getting his his wolf pack against dooku and grievous was a great way to start the episode and I, I loved the the orange-reddish hues of the planet, kind of adding that red tint to the, the battle, the space battle. Really cool visuals there. And then I the love, way the secret weapon, the ion cannon, was introduced was just absolutely terrifying. And all three of these episodes, to me, made 
I was shocked how good of a job they did at making the malevolence seem as threatening as possible. Which I love the design of the malevolence. So yeah, I love malevolence. Is cool great. I could Such go on pages about the reveal of the malevolence, like like you said about like the red, uh, you know, the sinister kind of hue it gives it. I it, it, I love that it has like a freaking shark mouth <laughs> in its design. Yeah. It looks like it looks like some kind of like predatory creature, like with the mouth and like even the ion cannon kind of forms like a like an eye. It just it just feels like it like it's a a cruiser version of a shark literally because it's literally just like disabling ships and just like taking them apart and i i, I the, the the reveal shot of it against the moon kind of reminded me of like 2d animation in a way just the, the look of it like it kind of gave me vibes of uh Gennady tarkovsky's clone Wars series in the best possible way that's um, a really good point i, I like i like that yeah i like the shark I like the shark thing. That I never really uh, thought about. But yeah. Like, the red moon. I, absolutely gorgeous. I, I just so. noticed it on my like latest viewing of the show. And like I like how... Because this is obviously like an analog for the Death Star. Because uh, they had to do it. They had to have at least one storyline that kind of channeled the concept of the Death Star. Like this, this like, you know, instead of a planet killer, you have like a fleet killer uh, ship. And, you know, like, just in case, like, the, the comparison wasn't there, like, like it wasn't clear to people, they have, like, they literally recreate the, the shot of, like, the super laser, only this time it's, like, the ion cannon firing, and you've got the two little battle droids in the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the bay, just, like, like also cowering at the, at the beam going off. Just great. Also, the battle droid humor in this, oh, I know some great. people don't like it. I love it. There is like, one a, later in the episode that I will definitely get to. That there's a battle droid that does an evil laugh. Like he goes, <laughs> "It is the funniest goddamn thing." I laughed out loud when I heard it because it's just, <laughs> it's like they're so, they seem so like they're so comical that just hearing one of them try and act evil is just hilarious to me. Matthew Wood, man, he just does such a good job as the battle droids. It's like Dee yeah. Bradley Baker with the clones. I mean, I don't, but I don't think Wood gets enough credit here of just making no, the battle droids I don't think he does. as humorous it's as great. possible. Matthew Wood as the battle droids is very underrated but throughout the show. Speaking of Matthew Wood, I can't tell you when I was a kid how excited I was that he was Grievous again in the series. Because I remember when I was first watching, I was like, okay, well, these are all these characters, but I mean, it's not. The actors from the movies, but then seeing and hearing Matthew Wood back as a Grievous, I remember being really excited. And it's like, okay, this is, this isn't just, you know, some other just random side Star Wars series that doesn't matter. Like, this is still Star Wars. So it was nice having that connection. Even though I've never, this is my cancelable Star Wars take here, guys. I've never been a Grievous guy. I don't like General Grievous. Wow. That isn't that isn't that is interesting. I just I've always wow. I don't think he's a bad character. I just think he's a very disappointing character. Because yeah, you I introduced him that. in Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, and he is just this silent killer, completely threatening. And then he's got asthma in Revenge of the Sith. And he gets taken out fairly easily. And then in, in Clone Wars, I liked him more, but I just always found him irritating. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's kind of like... He's cool, uh, it's like but like... The toss- it'll yeah. always be like a Captain Phasma scenario with me where my expectations were just way too high and it's forever tarnished my enjoyment of the character. Well, I mean... That's, that's a fair point. Dooku th- and Grievous kind of are in the same boat of... They feel like Saturday morning cartoon villains and they're not, and their characters aren't really reflective of that. I so like Dooku a weird. lot, though, so I think it's just... It's Dooku just gets some. I think Dooku gets some light. He gets some light and shade in like later episodes as well. Grievous is is pre- Grievous stays pretty consistent in his character throughout the show. No, don't get and me wrong. I think that's, yeah, Grievous, but like, I was there say, are a lot of cool moments, like, but I, I'll never call him my favorite character. No, and I completely get that because like it's like Gennady Tarkovsky's series kind of s- looked at Grievous as kind of like being more like a scalpel like, really precise, and George definitely had a different vision of Grievous. He saw him more like a sledgehammer, like, a, just a just a brute, really, who just, like, favors physical force, because he's, like... I mean, we'll get into this when we talk more about, like, uh, Gre- episodes like Grievous Intrigue and Lair of Grievous, because, you know, they are interesting. But I totally get what you're saying, because I had the same kind of, like, whiplash going from, like, the, tar- the very intimidating version in the 2D Clone Wars... And then getting this version, who is very much like a brute, like, you know, very kind of like, very kind of like messy and and kind of incompetence at points. And just like, he's only really kind of like good for physical violence. He's not the best strategist. He kind of needs Dooku to help him along in places. Like, that's why Dooku's there for the first episode. It's like, 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 there's a moment at the end of the first episode where Grievous is like, oh, the Republic will now learn of our Ion Cannon. And Dooku just gives him this look like, you think? Yeah, it's like, like the way to state the obvious. Like, yeah. yeah. I, my favorite Grievous thing is the fact that George originally wanted Gary Oldman as General Grievous for Revenge of the Sith, but he couldn't because something related to George not being a part of the Director's Guild, like, couldn't allow Oldman to be in the movie. But we got Matthew Wood at the end of the day, and I just think his depiction of Grievous is iconic. So yeah, it's a happy accident, I guess. But that—that's just weird thing about like like if if it was freaking serious black as Grievous, that would be very weird. But like I mentioned, the introduction of the malevolence was I think done perfectly. Seeing the Iron Cannon just hit all the ships and just take out the entire fleet. Uh, the visual of seeing the Star Destroyers just exploding and crashing down through, like, the windows of Plo's Destroyer, I thought was beautiful. And I, I thought it was a great way to really introduce this threat. And especially at the beginning of the episode, once the Council is discussing things and they, they're kind of coming to terms that Plo's forces may have been lost, you can just tell through this conversation how much Plo means to Ahsoka, whether it's her speaking out uh, without giving permission to the council, whether it's just the looks on her faces and the, the the emotion that she has during this scene. It's very powerful, and it's great to see right off the bat uh, this great development between uh, Ahsoka and Plo, and we get a little bit more of her backstory in this episode, and of course we get more throughout the series as well. I've just always loved their relationship and it's great to give it a little spotlight in these early episodes agreed i think really like i think really what is 
really impressive to me with the first two episodes of Clone Wars, like release order wise, is that like with Ambush, you get this moment and this little these little arcs of uh, Yoda f telling the clones like what each of their strengths are, and that like in the Force, they're all the same, but also they're all unique. And then we get that line, the, just the beautiful line of. We're just clones, sir. We're meant to be expendable. And then Plo Koon says, not, not, but not to me. Not to me. Beautiful. Like, you, it shows how some of these Jedi view the clones as more than just, like, disposable people. I think view it's them as people. like the scene with Yoda and the clones in Ambush. I think it's one of the early iconic scenes of the, the series really showing the dedication to making these clones as individual and important as possible really getting rid of the faceless warrior persona that they had in the prequels themselves and moments yep. like that i think have always stuck with me whether or not i i am the biggest fans of the episodes or not not to say i didn't enjoy the episode because i really liked this episode but whether or not like I revisited those episodes more than other ones. That has always been a scene that has stuck with me since I started watching the series. And I absolutely adore moments like that and just how much Plo cares about the wolf pack. Also seeing Commander Wolf for the first time, which was great to see. Uh, but another thing I wanted to point out after Ahsoka speaks out against the council... I could not, and there was a lot of parallels in these episodes to the prequels and the original trilogy, which I really liked. But that lecture that Anakin gave to Ahsoka was just the spinning image of Obi-Wan and Anakin in Attack of the Clones. And I think it was very intentional that way. You're really seeing the early stages of Anakin and Ahsoka as Master and Apprentice. And we have Ahsoka kind of speaking out, having... You know, her strong emotions that aren't quite contained. I really enjoyed scenes like those. And, and we got a lot of great Ahsoka and Anakin moments in this arc as well. Which, mainly in the, the next episode, which we'll be getting to. Uh, but another great clone quote, like the, uh, the the one that we just talked about, was the... I value your life more than finding that weapon. And again, I just I just yep. I love Plo Clone, man. It just it. makes Plo's story more tragic. Yeah. I'm it just, just does. I'm just... Now, of course, we gotta figure out who directed this episode. It's, oh, yeah, Dave Filoni. There we go. Um, because yep. Plo Kloon is his... Plo Kloon, I'm it's sorry, his is favorite. his favorite character. And seeing him get these Wolfpack clones, and it's Plo that has this relationship with uh, his baby in a way being Ahsoka Tano it all starts to make sense but I think it's just some great stuff there another thing that I was shocked about was how dark this episode got specifically when they were looking out into space and after they had all gotten into the escape pods and they see the dead clones oh, yeah. hanging out of the escape pod I was shocked watching that because I always remember this was always I always remember this as like a pretty dark episode, but it really doesn't hit me how dark it is until I watched it, especially with that moment. 
where Plo Koon turns the pot around and there's a dead there's dead clone troopers in it and then um the other moment where they see uh they see the other pod get hijacked oh, by droid hunters and just shot ah uh, it, it, that was brutal it's absolutely brutal this was one of the first uh shows on cartoon network to be given a pg rating and they really went all out with it like honestly like i didn't remember it being this dark when i was growing up and watched these first couple episodes but man i was like that is that's pretty heavy for a a show that was on cartoon network in the late 2000s so you had a lot of a lot of kids watching this and it's like oh look dead clones just hanging out of the escape pod you know caught in the vacuum of space uh but those droid hunters were again a common theme i'm using for this episode they were terrifying we just talked about them getting like cut out of the escape pod which was great absolutely terrifying i was like holy shit and then the droids with the oh there they go right afterwards and then i started dying laughing i'm like talk about a mood whiplash but it's i thought it's it dark really humor worked. at that it's moment such yeah. dark humor yeah uh just seeing them like get their their life literally sucked out of them and then that right afterwards i just oh. This episode, man, got me in many Yeah, ways. like, it's the, it's the second episode, and we're already getting moments like that. Yeah. yeah more than uh, I was like, expecting. FYI, I've been trying to make, like, points throughout, like, uh, and my mic, like, literally failed. Oh, but, no. like, I've just got to, I've just got to spare. But, like, I was gonna say uh, about Plo, because I, I agree with it, everything you were saying about, like, Plo and how he values the, uh, the life of the clones above above finding the weapon he's the he's the anti ponkrell he he yeah. he cares so deeply and like you said it's what makes his eventual fall in revenge of the sith all the more tragic the... i was going to say about ahsoka as well before we moved on cuz i also i also think the the dynamic between them is really lovely and endearing and it and it helps endear us to plo as a character like it it means we feel strong as strongly about him as Dave Filoni feels about him because he's he's basically he makes in that little uh detail that Plo brought Ahsoka to the temple it kind of makes Plo uh Ahsoka's Qui-Gon because he's like the father figure to Ahsoka whereas Anakin is like the older brother just like Obi-Wan was to Anakin it's like I love how I love how he's like how Dave Filoni has like managed to like find a way to like rhyme with the with the trajectory of the prequels like with one of his like personal favorite characters it's just really it's, cool it's some really good stuff uh speaking of really good stuff we got more classic obi-wan sass here uh when obi-wan is i believe he's talking to yular and he goes anakin has just redeployed himself again 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 just beautiful i like the love weariness in obi-wan's voice magnificent bastard yeah uh, <laughs> like I was gonna say as well, he the, the smirk on Obi Wan's face when Anakin is like reprimanding Ahsoka, <laughs> when Ahsoka speaks out of turn during the council meeting, and Obi Wan just has this grin on his face, like, yeah, that, yeah. that's how it feels. Wonder, Anakin. wonder where I've seen that before. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Uh, Anakin and Ahsoka defy orders as always. They're going out looking for Plo and his his clone troopers. We get more of 
their backstory together because Anakin asked him, like, how do you know Master Plo? Which I'm like, oh, that hasn't gotten brought up once. All right, that's kind of cool. Uh, but uh, we find out that Plo was the one that found Ahsoka and brought her to the Jedi Temple, which is one of the defining moments of her character. And again, I, I love this kind of father and daughter relationship they have. You made a great parallel to Qui-Gon and Anakin in Phantom Menace. And while we don't see it as much there, it's always great when we see those moments. And every time Plo says, calls her little Soka, my heart melts. It's just the purest thing in the world. And I just, I love Plo Koon. And I have this show to thank for it because, I mean, I thought he was cool looking in the prequels, but he was a definition of a background Jedi. But Dave Filoni's love for this obscure character made him one of the most compelling Jedi to me in this series. And I just, I have nothing but good things to say. Plo Koon, King Jedi. Exactly. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's something. Straight facts. Uh, more <laughs> more great Obi-Wan sass, which I have to point out here. Just the absolute, like, done with his shit that Obi-Wan has here with Anakin. The Anakin, where are you? Just, ugh. Anakin. Anakin. Wow. <laughs> the weariness in James Arnold Taylor's voice is palpable. Also, can I just point out James Arnold Taylor, Plo Koon and Obi-Wan. So having yeah. two... Like, I can hear it in the cadence. Like, I can just... Yes. I can tell it's the same voice actor. But it's still... Because James Arnold Taylor, I mean, just has that cadence to his voice where I can always tell it's him voicing a character. But he does a great job at making them so distinct and making them and not like to where it's not like distracting when they share scenes yeah. or anything. He does a great job with that. And I, I love his Plo Koon voice as well. It's very paternal is a word. I yeah. Can use. It's very welcoming, very wholesome. And I very much enjoy it. Uh, it's I kind of, go it's ahead. It's kind of Ian McKellen. It, sorry. It's kind of Ian McKellen. S. I never thought of that. In, in yeah, a way. That's a great. Yeah. Point. Yeah, like, because that's kind of the difference, I think, in, in with, with the two voices, because uh, I think Taylor's kind of doing more of a... Uh, because it kind of befits Plo's more kind of grandiose status as, as a Jedi. Uh, and I also love... I love... Because this is, like, the first series. The animation's a little, little rougher, a little simpler in, like, some of the designs. They have to reuse assets. I love that they took the time to, like put in the like the 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 markings on Plo Koon's anti-ox mask because that he wears because uh that's like a thing that matters to like in the tradition of like the the Keldor people that he's part of like like each clan has like different markings on their on their mask to kind of signify their identity and I just kind of know that Dave Filoni insisted that they include that because they could have just had like a blank texture but they instead chose to like put that level of detail into his appearance and it just kind of makes him feel like this fuller character before you even see him do anything and then he speaks and you're like whoa this guy sounds amazing yeah yeah i i again close forces i, I really love his clone pack I, it's one of my uh -oh. favorite clone designs uh in the entire series uh and i just i loved this action scene of them going out into space and defeating the the pod hunter Working together, I, I thought was a really nice moment. Uh, and again, I just was really shocked how much this episode worked for me. Uh, the council and Palpatine pissed 
that Anakin and Ahsoka abandon their post. Uh, they're about to leave, but Ahsoka, there's another really great moment where Ahsoka and Plo both sense each other through the Force. Uh, we see this a couple times with... Uh, I think we see it later in this arc with Anakin sensing Padme in the Malevolence itself. But this moment, again, really powerful, really worked for me. Uh, we had that Plo Koon quote, the, we're just clones, sir, we're meant to be expendable, not to me, which is, again, the quote of the arc, I think. Yep. Uh, and, and another thing is just, that Malevolence, every time they show it, that guy is, or the, the ship itself is just huge. And yeah. every time they show it, they make it seem as threatening as possible. The Death Star comparisons are right there. And they don't, it just, it doesn't feel though like they're just up, we're reusing things from the original trilogy or we're reusing the storyline from the prequels. They, they have yeah. the nice homages and it's like, okay, well, this is supposed to be a predecessor to this, but it yes. works. And every yeah, time. It's- I was I was shocked how every time to me when they launched the ion cannon every time I tensed up and I was like even though I knew okay Anakin's obviously going to survive and Plo Koon and Ahsoka they're all going to make it out every time I was like oh what's going to happen here because it had been a while since I'd seen these episodes and that was uh, they did a really good job at making the malevolence seem as intimidating and threatening as they possibly could when they were trying to escape being detected by the malevolence they had to shut down power ahsoka had to shut down r2 which i'm sure r2 was very pleased about but who fucks it up for everyone the goddamn medroid yeah and stupid medroids you had to you had to do it man you had to wanders in he's like he's like oh is there anything i can do to help yeah Yeah. power yourself off (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) just the the chase of anakin's ship trying to outrun the ion cannon blast and eventually them escaping jumping to hyperspace dooku insistent that there is no witnesses to their ship and just the disappointment that he has looking at grievous again i am shocked the Dooku just didn't just kill him right then and there. There are a couple like, moments I'm, in this arc where I'm just like, why don't you just just kill him? Just kill him. <laughs> like, and then it's like, oh wait, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, hold on, we get we got to get to that point to that point. Yeah. But yep. I, I mean, he's like, he's like, I knew I should have given this one to Ventress. Yeah. By the end of this arc, Dooku is just done with him. Uh, there's a really nice. Ahsoka and Anakin moment that ended this episode. We got a lot of those in this arc. Uh, I loved this episode. I thought it was a great start. I thought it was tense throughout, like I said, way darker than I was expecting. Especially for, like we said, a, a late 2000s Cartoon Network show. The the lengths that they went to at points. Seeing the, the, the dead clones hanging out and getting sucked into space was really surprising to see again and they really pulled no punches with making the malevolence and the the horrors of war seem as threatening as possible and i like that even though this is technically a kid show quote unquote they never needed to feel like they had to dumb the show down or insult the audience's intelligence 
If they had a good story to tell, they had a good story to tell, and this was no exception. I was a really big fan of this episode, and I haven't seen this one since, I believe, my second watch of the show back in 2015. So it has been a very long time, but I was very wow. pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I was I was I knew it was good, but I I had a much. This is probably the best experience I've had watching the whole episode. It was it was really cool, surprisingly tense and dark, like you said. It's had some lovely character stuff with Anakin, Ahsoka, and even Obi Wan, and of course Plo Koon. And there were like some things that even caught me off guard, like the editing that's employed when Ahsoka senses Plo Koon, which. By the way, is a great like callback or call forward uh, to like uh, Leia sensing Luke on yeah. in in Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back. It's oh. the editing. It's so sharp that it just it totally threw me, and I was like, "Whoa, that's really unexpected." Yeah, I made the and the Padme the connection, but that's that's an even better one. It literally just hit me right before you said, "I'm like, wait, hold on, that's Leia and Luke in Empire," and then you said yeah. it right there. Yeah, just great stuff. Uh, and. And the ending shots uh, of Ahsoka just joining Anakin in the hangar bay and the two of them just looking out to space with R2. That is just one of my all-time favorite ending shots in the whole show. I just, I, I love it. It's just, it's, it epitomizes that era of, of the show. And it's, it's, it, it gives you a happy feeling, but it also, it's also tinged with sadness because you know what's coming now, having seen the full scope of the show and you're like, oh... I know what's going to happen to these two, and it's not It's not that, good. That can sum up the entire series, yep. honestly. There's just a bit of sadness because you know what's going to happen. Like, I like it, but I know what's coming. Exactly. Uh, Connor, any thoughts on this one before we move to the next episode? No, I really have nothing. You guys pretty much summed up most of my thoughts. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Nothing too standout-ish about the episode besides yeah. like a few moments here and there i i can kind of agree with you there it's just you know you were like one of, i couldn't tell which one of you were shocked that i hadn't seen this one in so long but i think it's just when i'm re-watching random arcs i typically just don't go to season one most of the time because i just remember that being okay this is the weaker one but I don't know. I, I guess I just missed out on a couple ones here, and, and this was one of them. But now we can move on to our next episode, which was Shadow of Malevolence. This was directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell, written once again by Stephen Melching. The moral was easy as the path to wisdom for those not blinded by ego. We pick up right where we left off last episode. Anakin leading the mission now. Uh, he's leading the briefing, attacking Grievous's forces to take down the Malevolence. Uh, there's a great moment where one of the clones calls Grievous the head clanker, which I just I just loved that. I just it's that again that good. clone war jargon. Uh, and a, another thing that I really liked, which uh, was the name of the Y wing squad, which was Shadow Squadron. I th I just thought that's a really dope name. But again, the continued uh, great job that they do at, at making the malevolence is threatening is physically possible is just on full display here every time they take down a a fleet is just terrifying but we really get in this episode a, a great showing of the exact opposites of how the republic and the separatist leaders treat their troops and how they view them it's very clearly on display early on in this combo between dooku and grievous where they point out the weakness that the jedi have of 
them caring for their clones and viewing them as lives to protect and to lose. Whereas Dooku, and especially Grievous, sees his droid forces as expendable. And we see him destroy various ones throughout this episode. We get a nice... A lot of parallels here, which I, I really enjoyed, of seeing the the ideologies of both sides of the war and how the Republic, even though the clones are synthetic beings, they are, or man-made beings, I guess, they are treated as human lives and they are viewed as individuals and getting to see in this episode lives lost again after we get to know some of these clones was very... Uh, hard to watch and we start to care for these clones like they do uh, whereas the separatists they just they're destroyed they don't care yeah and r.i.p matchstick like yeah god damn it matchstick oh dude he lived up to his name sadly yeah. he did live up to his name yeah that was so yeah i i i should i wish i had like been the one to notice that my brother pointed it out to me like during during this rewatch and i was like damn it i wish i'd <laughs> I wish i'd noticed that myself but yeah like poor matchstick i keep i keep not noticing this so first it was the i'm a gun die and then this i just <sighs> subtlety not one of uh not something star wars is known for you can definitely say that yeah i mean but... matchstick is uh is less i mean okay yeah matchstick is pretty bad but like i'm a gun die i'm a gun die and commander keely or captain keely like those are just and savage press yeah savage press i cannot wait to get to him <laughs> we'll get to what it you were saying, though, what you were saying though about General like about com- <laughs> what you were saying about the competing ideologies though it's spot on because like what is the main objective that the uh the anakin and shadow squadron are trying to protect it's a medical facility and it's not like it's not for war refugees it's for injured clones like it's they're basically if you if you apply dooku's logic to it they're basically just uh protecting a load of a load of product a load of their like uh clone stock but but to anakin and ahsoka and plo koon they're protecting real people real lives like soldiers who are like who have fought in this war and are like undergoing treatment and and by the way like was anyone else shocked to see nala say from the bad batch i pop was up this freaking not early expecting in the it war? this early no yeah like because I, I saw the he was in bad batch if i'm not gonna lie actually no no i didn't forget i was like wait nala say i'm like oh wait she was also in bad batch the earliest yeah. i remembered her showing up was the fives arc in season six so seeing yes. her here i was like whoa okay that was me as well. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I see that Camino. I, I see the Camino one there. It's probably going to be like a random person." And then they said the name, and I was like, "Oh, wow! She's like, she's been here since the start. That's that's that kind of makes her character more interesting already. And if anything, her being stationed on a medical frigate uh, actually makes like her behavior towards the clones in the later episodes far more interesting. Yeah. Which we'll get into. Which I'll, very, I'll I'll get into more when we get to those character when we get to her. A bit yeah. further down the line, uh, the, the the plan to for the malevolence to bomb the Republic Medical Station again. The complete differences between what Dooku and Grievous will do to win a war compared to what the Jedi will do. It's stark contrasts here. We get to see Plo uh, join Anakin and Ahsoka on their mission. We get dope looking yellow Y wings, which I was a big fan of. 
another thing I was a big fan of, I love the look of Plo's Jedi Starfighter. The design and oh, everything. Yeah. So Such cool. A cool look. I need a it's Lego set or something I, of that. Like, that looks... <sighs> I checked. They took the color scheme from Anakin's first Jedi Starfighter in uh, the in the Gennady Tarkovsky Clone Wars series. Because his... The first Jedi fighter that he has in that is literally, literally has the same color scheme, the same stripes. And it's, it's, I'm so glad. That, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's very different. It's got like all these little mods on it, like, uh, like, like these, the extra, uh, blasters and engines, but it's a really cool design. I'm really glad they lifted it. Uh, also the Y wings, yeah. they get a great showing here. Like the oh, Y wings yeah. are so cool. I love the new the design because I thought it was a different model of Y wing when I first watched the show uh, as a teenager. I was like, oh, so this is this is the first model of Y wings, and then I kind of realized later down the line, no, it's the same model. They've just stripped it down because it's it's an antique fighter, which is so cool because like you get to see them in their prime here, and but then you also kind of see them late. It gives their like appearance in the original trilogies much greater context because now you it kind of informs the whole like worn uh stripped down a second-hand aesthetic of the rebel alliance and how they're using these these older starfighters to combat the new kind of like sleek factory produced uh ships of the empire it, it i i i love that extra like little bit of uh, texture that we get but also they're just a really cool design and they're it's cool really to see cool them and I, I love against even seeing like the flight formations and everything like they just did a really good job at animating them and yeah and they I, do the like they do the like uh the call sign thing yeah. like in the start of a new hope that was really that cool. was I really cool that. uh there's yeah. a great bit of clone dialogue uh i, I don't remember which one of the set of it was like broadside if we make it through this one drinks are on me so i wrote all right so they're gonna die got it like that's just how i come to expect some of these things that happen. Anakin takes the squadron on a shortcut. They end up going on what he calls the Balmora run, which Plo Koon is like, nope, get the hell out of here. Like, this is bad. Uh, getting solo vibes here again with the Kessel run. And they get caught in a giant nest of Nibre Mantas, which I loved how cool these things looked. But I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. This is the Star Trek where they got to save the whales. Uh, and then it was also reminded me of the Rebels episode. Uh, yeah, the Pergil. The Pergil. Yeah, I yeah. guess these could be like an early precursor to the Pergil. But I, these were really cool looking creatures, which yeah. I I liked. But they made a big deal about oh, this is so dangerous. And then we do see Matchstick's ship get damaged here. But aside from that, they all kind of make it out without a scratch. But eventually, yeah. it's the precursor to what ends up costing them was the little ding on matchstick's ship uh one thing that i I pointed out about this whole episode because anakin is trying to get there to the malevolence and obi-wan is kind of following suit the episode feels like a race against time to me which added to the intensity and the stakes that this episode had we see them run headfirst into the malevolence and the ion cannons are launched and they hit shadow squadron because matchstick's ship just eats it and takes out a couple of the ships we lose him and tag r.i.p two more clones lost in this fight and we lose about 
half, I think they said about half of his ships got caught in the blast. So they're yeah. without power and they're eventually going to get taken out. We really see the the heavy hit that Anakin takes in this episode of him losing these men because of his orders. And we really see him like up until really the very end until Ahsoka gets him to change course. We really see how he takes blame for these clones losing his lives because of his orders and because of his plan. And again, I really loved how, you know, Jedi are, you know, depicted as these emotionless, you know, monk warriors, but we really see that this is a war series first and foremost. And we see the emotional toll that these battles and these losses can take on these characters which I always really appreciate, and this was no exception. But we, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, like Anakin's Anakin's trajectory in this is interesting as well because, like, a lot of his like uh, the whole thing with like trying to like get through that nebula and like take down Grievous, it's all about there is a degree of ego involved in like, oh, I have to take down Grievous because you know, yes, he views it as like a responsibility and he has good intentions, but there is like ego getting in the way of that. So like, even when like he's losing clones, uh, the the men that he does want to protect. He wants to press on because he wants to get rid of Grievous. He wants to be able to like get stop the war and like take down a, a major figurehead. And he has to be kind of talked down from that by Ahsoka, who's like, you know, you can maybe get there, but the other clones can't. You need to be mindful of, of them. Which which is it's a good arc, but it also kind of like reinforces uh, why Ahsoka is good for Anakin and why Obi-Wan and Yoda kind of, like, uh, sort of, like, forced the two of them together, because, like, they're act- they they actually wind up helping each other. They're, like, it's, it's, it's a different kind of master and apprentice thing, because both of them learn from each other and make the other a, a better person, a more grounded person. Because Ahsoka, through her time spent with Anakin, is able to talk Anakin down when Anakin is, like, uh, getting away from himself. Yeah, again, they're relationship in these early episodes i'm really starting to appreciate more and more especially upon rewatch eventually we see ahsoka convince anakin like you said to to change his plan to where they target the uh the actual ion cannons themselves instead of going after grievous head-on and we see them end up taking out the cannons disabling the hyperdrive we get an i have a bad feeling about this from one of the battle droids which I think was the first one we've gotten since we started watching this, unless I'm mistaken. But I think I'm pretty sure that's the first. first, I have a bad feeling about this drop. Uh, Another thing, maybe just because I've been playing this game recently, but the the section with the Y wings firing off the torpedoes into the ion cannon felt straight out of Lego Skywalker Saga. The (laughs) the space levels. Oh yeah, I feel like I'm in a Lego game right now, which I loved. Uh, And we got an explosion ring. Like when yeah. the weapon misfires and like cripples the malevolence, oh, there's that was an explosion. So cool looking. Again, we talked about how some of the early episodes, the animation is a little, you know, not as good as what we see later on. But little moments like that and the uh, the red tint, like I mentioned earlier in the first episode, I just love little stuff like that. We see Obi Wan coming with the fleet, finishing what Anakin started. We see a brief conversation with Anakin and Malice uh, now say, but he excuses himself you know proud of his victory but still mourning the losses that uh his squad took which again i i just think it's very powerful seeing 
the type of general that Anakin is. And like I mentioned, the episode did a really good job at showing the differences uh, between how the Republic and the Separatists view their their forces and their men and the weight that loss has on Anakin. And then the final shot is very much inspired by the last shot of Empire. Uh, which, again, I, I really liked. It was a nice little nod. They're like, okay, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like earlier when I was talking about the scene that I, I love, the ending sequence that I love, th- that's the sequence I was talking about. Yeah. Not, not the first episode, not the, the second episode, episode. This one. Yeah. I was yeah, like, that, that looks. And then I, yeah. I, I did my Wikipedia post episode watch, like looking for some like little facts I can put in my notes. And that was one of them. And I'm like, yeah, there we go. There's a lot yeah. of that in this arc of little nods to some of the other movies, which we, we see a lot throughout the show, but I think especially in a lot of these earlier episodes, we see that. And there's a big one in next episode, which I cannot wait to get to. But yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. So this episode I thought was probably my least favorite of the three, but I still really, I thought it was a fun one. And it was the the, the exciting middle part from the the tense first episode and then the ultimate climax in the next episode but it was nice to see more of the malevolence i really liked the y wings uh, i really liked seeing more of anakin as a general and seeing how ahsoka kind of levels him and, and is that like voice in his ear that kind of gets him away from his own ego like you said it was a really it was a really solid episode and i think it set up nicely to what we see in uh, the last part of the arc so any last thoughts from you guys before we move to our last episode of the day or do you think we're good oh i think we're good yeah all right so our last episode the third and final part of the arc is titled destroy malevolence once again directed by brian kalen o'connell and written by stephen melchin did a great job with this arc the moral is a plan is only as good as those who see it through and we start off with the episode. The first thing I have written down is Anakin trying to contact Master Luminara, but she was unable to aid them. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a tease there. I thought we were getting Luminara and nope. So, but she does show up later in the episode in a hologram conversation. But again, people I've noticed have very mixed feelings on Luminara as a character, kind of like how they do with Mace Windu. But I always like when she shows up, and especially when we see more Barris later on in the season. I mean, in the series. You know, it's nice to see those other, you know, minor Jedi characters get some more time. But who shows up popping out of hyperspace? It's Padme in C-3PO. And I just love this Padme look. Like, this pilot outfit. I've always been a big fan. Yeah, with, like, the six braids tied together. That's really cool. That's a really cool. I don't remember what book it was that had that like art that's used a lot of her now with this outfit on, but I just really like this look whenever it shows up in Clone Wars. I can say that about pretty much every Padme outfit. Like I'm like, ah, yeah, this is a really good one because I think Padme might have like the best costumes of any character ever. If I'm being completely honest here, like there's not a single one I dislike. But this one in particular, I'm like, okay, I really like this look. And I think there's a similar uh, character model in the Skywalker Saga game. Uh, anyway, no, that's the pilot one from Attack of the Clones. But that's another really good one as well. So, again, I, I just love seeing Padme. Uh, but they fly straight into the malevolence 
head on and they're taken as hostage by Grievous. Dooku letting him know that there's a very important senator coming into hyperspace very soon and they are taken as as hostages. We see a uh, great combo between Anakin and Padme over the comlinks and Anakin does a great job here. And by great, I mean terrible job at hiding his feelings here. Uh, whether it be, oh, Padme, like when everyone else is being very formal. Or him trying not to lose his shit when it's very clear that she's being pulled in by the tractor beam. And then him just bolting to go and save her. Again, you gotta wonder. You know, how, I mean, it's clear that Obi-Wan knew it was up. But how did yeah, the lucky- everyone else not catch on? Or did they and they were just, you know, humoring the boy? Like I mean there's certainly like there's certainly some implication on Ahsoka's end that she knew uh, all along. Well uh, I come like series yeah, five. I just watched this um Forces of Destiny short. I don't know where it takes place in the timeline, but she essentially catches them in the act and at the end says to Padme, like, Oh yeah, you two make a really good team. And then Padme kind of gives her a nod. So, like, I think it's very clear that she knows at some point during the uh, series. But I don't know if we're there at this point. There's another moment later on that, again, it's like, you're doing a great job, guys, at uh, hiding this. But, again, that's just one of the, the great things about Anakin's character is his passion which I've just always, it's always connected with me and where that eventually led to his fall to the dark side. There are moments like this where it really showed that in his prime as a Jedi, he was a hero. And we see that a lot in this episode. Anakin and Obi-Wan team up to save Padme. We get another great Plo and Ahsoka line here. The There he goes again, craving adventure and excitement. And Ahsoka just goes, oh, you get used to it. And even though it's still very early on in their journey together as master and apprentice you can very much see the bond that ahsoka and anakin already have here and that's that's just anakin yeah this is this is a quite this is quite a fun episode i was i remember the last time i watched it i had kind of a mixed reaction to it because i kind of felt like the story was done and then it gets extended for another episode and they kind of like bring because i felt initially that padme's role in the story was a little bit forced like you know she's basically there to be a hostage so we can draw this out for another episode but then again watching it back now i'm like oh well actually it makes a lot of sense that palpatine would manipulate her into like going to the section of space to get captured because palpatine knows about uh, anakin and padme's marriage he's he knows the whole time so of course he would use uh he would use that kind of bargaining chip to to stop this like grand asset like the malevolence being destroyed so i'm kind of like and and also like padme isn't technically a hostage because she she gets trapped on the ship but she's she's more kind of like yeah she has more of an obi-wan role and i've got to say baller move of padme to rig her ship to explode to try and take out grievous that was that was that was really cool that led to something that i've been waiting to talk about since we started this show, which is the freaking firefighter droids. Oh yes. my God. This was one of those things when I first saw this episode as a kid, I 
laughed my ass off and I've always found this to be the funniest thing. Just the sight of just droids with little firefighter helmets on. And they colored like firefighters well. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I just don't know, like, what was the pitch there? We're just gonna have these droids come in and fight fires. Give me yeah, a spin-off. Like George... Give me a spin-off right now. Yeah, like, George is like, yeah, they have little, like, they uh, they're, like, little hats, and they have, like, firefighter colors, you know, like, just, people will get that they're firefighters. I just like how they just don't do anything, and then just Grievous just pops out of the wreckage there, but, again, imagine how things would have changed if Padme just right then and there just took Grievous out. Would have been... Galaxy would be a very different very place. Very different place. Uh, but... A lot, lot, lot less battle droids getting smashed up out of anger. Real quickly, I, I do want to like counter well not counter but agree with your point of out like right near the arcs and you you're throwing padme in there again it's very similar to the clone wars movie where padme just shows up in the last like 20 minutes of the movie to have her plot with zero it's very similar to that which i hope we get less of as the show goes on is that kind of continuation arc of okay now we just got to add padme in here what's she up to but I actually think it's better uh, executed here, though, because like the problem with the film was that it, it stopped the plot uh, cold, and you had to kind of like slow slow the story down in yeah, order to Yeah, at least here it she's directly yeah. involved with what Anakin exactly. and Obi Wan are doing, and not off to her side doing her own little yeah. adventure. Here it drives the action. It drives a lot of the whole the whole episode, which is which is different, and also the format, the difference in format with the TV episodes helps a lot really so it doesn't feel jarring you know it, it's more like it, it if my initial reaction with it i think was perhaps influenced by viewing it through the model of binge it really uh oh yeah so, definitely. This time around, i think it definitely fits the story more you know and I, I i had a lot of fun with this episode more than i did the last time like there's a lot of slapstick comedy in this like you know whether it's like Obi-Wan using uh, uh, destroyer droids as like bowling balls. Oh, to that was so cool. And they're like Grievous just like jumping through, like jumping on a train, like these battle droids just like they, they, they try and follow him and they all just like fall to their I doom. Can't and then like tell you, you have how hard I laughed jumping when... across the train. I can't tell you how hard I laughed with 3PO getting hit by the train. That took oh, me poor 3PO. out. Uh, but again, this episode is filled to the brim with my favorite thing, which is great Anakin and Obi-Wan banter. A lot of callbacks to the other movies were, with this one, at least a call forward. Uh, do you have a plan B? Which I love. Uh, and then my favorite one of the whole episode was Obi-Wan going, spinning is not flying, and Anakin countering with, but it's a good but trick. It's a good trick. The Phantom yep. Menace kid is, was yes, it is. so happy there. It is a yeah. good trick, Anakin. Thank you for that one. It is. Ah, I can't the... not mention Grievous uh, saying hello there. We'll get to, to that. To we will get and to then... that. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. So yeah, I just again something that I didn't realize that Star Wars was filled to the brim with until very recently was how many great train chase scenes that there are in this series. Because we got one here. We, of course, have yeah. the solo train heist and the Book of Boba Fett one. But I, I ate up this scene. Uh, especially when they find Padme. Anakin catches her. We get the nice catch from Obi-Wan in the background. As they're yeah. like, 
all over each other. I'm like, all right, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah. And, then we get... and everyone, everyone just excuses himself, like, oh, I'll go find yeah, the droid. Find but the like, droid. what he's really because... saying is like, it's like, yeah, you guys have some private time. I know you want to have like a reunion, so I'll I'll go find the droid. Yeah, we get some great shipping moments here that made my heart sore. And then Obi Wan trying to catch three PO, and the poor bastard gets hit by the train and uh, poor 3PO but I can't say I was not thoroughly amused by him just getting absolutely taken out <laughs> what a beautiful thing but they catch their uh, Grievous catches their communications and we see an absolute reverse or, or a parallel of the Obi-Wan Grievous in Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan is surrounded by droids Grievous pops up, jumps, and we get the hello there. Which, first of all, the fact that this means that Obi-Wan doing this to Grievous in Revenge of the Sith was just Obi-Wan trolling Grievous is just absolutely perfect. That's just so on brand for Obi-Wan. so on brand that 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 iconic moment is him being like, yeah, I remember that bastard. I'm doing it to you now. Yeah, the thing (laughs) I also... One of the things I love about the Clone Wars the most is the absolute narrative backflips they do to make sure that Anakin and Grievous do not meet. Yes, at yep. all. It's the only thing for Episode Three. It's the only I thing that's like set in tone that they have to avoid, like messing up. Like everything else, they 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 have leeway. Uh, but that's the one thing <laughs> that they can't do, and it's it's you're right, it's hilarious. Like there's there's a moment um, I think that we'll be able to discuss in the next episode where they, it's very on the nose that they have to Anakin has to avoid Grievous, so Obi Wan goes to deal with Grievous instead. It's just it's a it's it's not like a problem. It's just really funny to yeah. like to, to just see them constantly just steer Anakin away from Grievous. It's the one so thing they, they gotta keep. Like, Obi-Wan and Grievous fight a bunch of times, even though Obi-Wan looks very surprised that Grievous can fight with lightsabers in Revenge of the Sith. But we can never see those two meet, which I, I just, again, it's one of the things I love. I liked, no matter how brief it was, I liked this train fight between Obi-Wan and Grievous, and then Obi-Wan escaping, and, and the little salute he gives him. Magnificent. Yeah. You yeah, like Grievous. beautiful <laughs> bastard, you. Yeah, I love Obi Wan. He's the best. He's... Like, and also Grievous, literally hopping mad, jumping across the train, just yeah. like smashing crates, trying to get to Obi Wan. That that was another laugh out loud moment for me. I just love how much slapstick is in this <laughs> is in this episode. It's really funny. It ends up leading to a another space battle. Grievous escapes on his ship, which is another design. I I've always really liked Grievous's ship. Uh, he's chasing down after them. And when it looks like they're about to get shot by the... No, no, it looks like they're about to escape. Uh, Anakin has a little moment. And the droid's like, oh, wait, no, uh, the hyperdrive uh, malfunctioned. And they end up crashing into a moon. And Grievous just hangs up on Dooku right there. First of all, the explosion of the malevolence into the moon, I thought was a really cool visual and in grievous just saying nope i'm not taking this i'm not i'm not dealing with this right now hanging up on grievous and just bolting again dooku just kill him just like 
again, like you the, know the, this man's a nuisance. Got to, got to, you know, rid of him. hold off the plot. He fucked up twice here. Just, just, just cut your losses here. Uh, but I, I loved the end of this episode. Uh, I thought it was a really fun arc. Uh, there are a couple things I wanted to point out that I, some behind the scenes notes that I got that I thought were very interesting. First of all, the final frame of the episode was the first time that all of the main prequel characters, that being Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme, 3PO, and R2-D2, were depicted together on screen for the first time. Because uh, wow. all across the prequels, they were scattered across different planets. So this was the first shot that all of them were in the same uh, shot at once. Uh, the yeah. other th- in, in, in the Clone Wars or just in, in any gen- In any, anything. Yeah. Well, I- yeah. Wow. That yeah, I remember Dave Filoni me. talking about it. Yeah, like how he said that you know this is one. I think this is one of the only times as well that you get them all on on screen together during the Clone Wars as well. I think I remember him talking about how important that ending visual was to him uh, to to get on screen. And yeah, I, and, and they it's, they linger it's on the cool. shot too. Yeah, it's cool seeing them all together. It was cool again. Again, though, really cool, but tinged with a lot of sadness and heartbreak yeah. because you know what's coming. Now, this one was insane reading this. Uh, it says, some ideas from the original script of this episode included Captain Panaka being captured alongside Padme and being brutally murdered by Grievous. Oh, my God. Now, what? I don't. Yeah, that one wow. surprised me. So we would have gotten Panaka, which I... I don't believe he shows up in the Clone Wars, but he was originally uh, pitched to appear and just been killed Shakti style in deleted uh, by Grievous. If uh, they'd made that series three he, or like onwards, he probably would have been been there because like say he shows up in like Leia, Princess of Alderaan. He does because he gets spoiler alert. He I think he gets killed in that book. Uh, so it eventually happened later on but that one would have been very interesting if they kept with that so instead of 3PO it would have been Panaka and he would have bit it right there which I'm kind of I'm kind of upset that they didn't go along with that Uh, another thing that was pitched was a lightsaber duel between Grievous and Plo Koon on the exterior of the Malevolence and the Jedi sneaking aboard the Malevolence by freezing themselves in carbonite to get past the droid bioscans, which we eventually did see in the Citadel arc. It says, while the first two ideas were eventually abandoned completely, the Carbonite Infiltration Maneuver was later adapted into the stories of the Clone Wars Shipyards of Doom, which I think is a Legends novel, and the Season 3 episode, The Citadel. So they eventually did use that, which I think would have been cool, but we almost got to see Grievous kill Panaka, and I'm I'm kind of upset <laughs> Uh, but I, even though I do like his eventual reemergence as a character, as a member of the uh, the Imperials, that would have been very interesting. And again, would have really added to the, wow, this arc is a lot darker than I remember of if we just saw Grievous just kill him in cold blood right there. Because yep. brutally murdered is how they worded it. So that would have been something. So... It's always fun getting to see these little like behind the scenes things, especially with these early Clone Wars episodes. And I, I those were some stuff I just wanted to point out real quick because I was shocked reading them and I needed to 
bring that to everyone's attention. So out of these three episodes, I would say my favorite would probably be Destroy Malevolence. I thought it just had a lot of really fun action. It was a really nice culmination of the arc. And I loved getting to see the prequel characters work together. And of course, the reversal of fortune with the Grievous Hello there is always classic. And uh, anything with the firefighter droids is automatically my favorite episode. So how about you guys? Which one was your favorite of the the arcs that or the episodes that we talked about this week? Uh, Probably Shadow of Malevolence because just like the whole... The thing I really liked was how uh, Anakin and Ahsoka and uh, Shadow Squadron, they went through that nebula and then destroyed the Ion Cannon, which was just such an incredible visual. So like, yeah. that's just a standout Definitely. moment to me in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I was going to say like I, I was going to say that Rising Malevolence was my favorite, but thinking about it, I th- think Shadow of Malevolence might just pip it for the spectacular f- finish. And also, like, just the visuals of the nebula and, like, just the overall kind of, like, de- like the overall stakes of it and how it continues, like, the themes from the previous episode. So I'll go with Shadow of Malevolence. All right, so it looks like I'm the, the lone exception this week, but that's the beauty of watching these shows and, and absorbing Star Wars is we all have different opinions, which is the beauty of the show. So next week, we are going to be talking about the Domino Squad arc. We, we talked yes. about the other week that we were pushing clone cadets back until this arc because I think it fits better with rookies. So we'll be talking about clone cadets and rookies. We're going to get to see some of my favorite clones introduced for the first time. So that will be really fun. And I'm hoping that we'll get our next episode out before Celebration. So we'll be able to do a little bit of a Celebration preview beforehand. And we'll definitely do a celebration recap afterwards. So it was another really fun time with you guys. Uh, You guys, if you want to close out, got anything to plug, go right ahead. So y'all can follow if you want to. Uh, Y'all can find me on Twitter at Depo Banana. Uh, I also co-host another Star Wars podcast, The Knights of the Nerd Republic, where we do pretty much news roundup of all the Star Wars interviews discussions topic episodes pretty much everything uh that is part of the nerd academy podcast which you can find on twitter instagram youtube our website www.thenerdacademypodcast.com um you can find like our actual episodes on spotify apple podcasts and pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts uh, and then you can find me writing articles and stories super, super slowly at SWEditorIG.com. I uh, I work with a very talented and wonderful group of creatives uh, with with SWE fic with SWE fiction. That's going to take some time getting used to, uh, where we sort of create our own Star Wars stories while also sort of adhering to what Lucasfilm has put out with the Star Wars canon thus far. So we just add to it in our own unique way, and it's uh, really interesting. I have I have some stories coming out in, in like, a few months or something. Great so. stuff, great stuff. Don, yeah. how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead, uh, where I 
retweet a lot of stuff, mostly about Star Wars, occasionally political stuff. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube uh, under the name Donline Dude. I also have an Instagram, uh, Donovan McComish. And I also, also, uh, am a writer for uh, SWEditor.com. <laughs> also, slowly getting articles out there, like uh, Connor said. And uh, I may... Uh, quite possibly have a story coming very soon very, which uh, is which very is very exciting and that's all i'll say about that all right you can follow me on twitter at starlight andrew you can follow the podcast itself on twitter at for the repub pod and on instagram at for the republic pod that's what happens when twitter does not have enough characters i'm going to be posting more articles soon on sweditorig.com uh, probably once I'm done with uh, this current semester because I just I am shocked I even had time to record this podcast. I have so much going on right now, uh, but I got a lot coming in the future. And you can also check out because uh, I know uh, Connor and Don are both a part of SWE Fiction. They just dropped their new story, Kylo Ren Redeemed in the Redeemable, a couple weeks ago. It's uh, I believe their first comic they worked on. You can check that out at SWEditorIG.com. It was a really fun read. I really enjoyed it. So you can check us back here next time. We'll be talking Domino Squad. So as always, for light and life, and may the force be with you. Always. Always.